we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the show where we watch movies and then talk about the only things that really matter, which is lots of death and lots of nudity and lots of interesting tidbits like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and fun <laughs> facts. Lots of fun facts of a violent and sexual nature. My name is Orlando. Joining me as usual is my um, guest, co-host, and roommate, Ned. Say hi, Ned. Word to your family. How's it going? How you feeling? How you doing? You know, feeling good. Feeling good. I'm I'm excited for a little. Oh, excited for a little movie action this week. That's Let's get true. some movie action. Please, please, please. Today's movie is Fright Night. Okay. Which is a 1985 American horror film. Written and directed by Tom Holland in his directorial debut. Tom Holland sounds familiar, but that's not just because I'm thinking of the name of the It's person. not Spider-Man. Okay, so that's the Tom Holland I'm thinking of. There's not... Does he have any other notable, venerated uh, films under his belts that, that I might know of? Or? So this Tom Holland, he uh, he's known for... He wrote the movie Cloak and Dagger. Um, he also directed the first Child's Play movie, okay, which is another Child's classic. Play. Okay. Uh, he also directed Thinner, which is another um, nice little you know horror. It's not really a classic, I would say, but it's a minor, I guess, minor classic. Okay. Um, and Fright Night is probably his best known work. Well, that and Child's Play. Are two, I was going to say, yeah, I, I have. I don't think I've heard of Fright Night, but I Child's Play, I definitely yeah. have heard of. Um, Child's Play is also really good, yeah. um, and and he he sort of uh, like both of them exist in this nice little comedy horror niche, I think. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, this is his first movie as a director. Cool. It stars William Ragsdale, Chris Sarandon, Roddy McDowell, Amanda Bierce, Jonathan Stark, Dorothy Fielding. Stephen Jeffries and Art Evans, an ensemble cast. Yeah. The film follows a young man who suspects that his next door neighbor is a vampire. When no one believes him, he enlists the help of a TV show host who has acted in films as a vampire hunter. So you say you've never seen this movie before? I have not, no. Have you heard of it? I don't think I mean I don't know like the term Fright Night sounds pretty ubiquitous like mm-hmm. you know it, so I'm, I feel like that that phrase has been bandied about and it's possible I maybe didn't understand it was specifically referencing a specific 1985 horror film mm-hmm. but beyond that uh, yeah no I can't say that my can't say that my awareness of this specific film has ever been that they also remade this movie. They remade it, um, I believe, yeah, 2011. Um, same title? Same title, Fright Night. That remake actually wasn't, you know, usually like when they make remakes of horror movies, it can go two ways. Like, you're either remaking like a like a 
poor horror movie and a, this and then the remake gets like decent reviews or you're remaking a, a horror movie that had already pretty decent reviews and then the remake is just terrible but this movie actually got pretty decent reviews also okay. even though it's definitely not as good as the first one but it has a pretty good cast too it has a- Anton Yelchin Colin Farrell Christopher Mintz Plasse uh, David Tennant Imogene Poots and Tony Collette so it's not a movie to sneeze at although in my opinion the 1985 version is way superior alright All right. and this movie was uh, released the year of my birth so wow also, yeah 1985 was the year I was born so it yeah. holds a special place in my heart because I, of that yeah I, I feel that <laughs> I, can, I can feel that absolutely so are you ready to watch Fright Night Yes. Okay, guys, and if you guys want to play along, we're going to watch it. This movie is available to stream for free on crackle.com. It's also for rent in a bunch of places. Amazon has it for $2.99, which isn't, you know, a lot of money. It's it's a lot. It's a fun movie. Uh, watch the movie and then come back with us and we'll play some trivia and have some discussion. So we'll see y'all on the other side. See you there. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. All right, and we're back. We just watched Fright Night. That we did. That we did. Very much so. All right, first reactions. What did you think? Well, um, that was a very 80s movie. Yeah, very 80s movie. And I guess being made in 85, it was just smack dab in the middle of the 80s. Right in the thick of the 80s. Yeah, (laughs) just, you know, same amount of 80s in front of it and behind it. Um, And and boy, did it show. Um, Especially the music. I felt like during the, especially during the club scene, I was just Yeah, Yeah, there was a lot of it. um, And I I kind of appreciated it. Um, That movie was fun. I I had fun with it. Um, I think that uh, it definitely is... Uh, you know, for directorial debut, it definitely yeah, it's is. Yeah, pretty strong. Yeah, it's a pretty strong movie. It's got, like, really good focus. Um, I think they do a pretty good job of uh, making our protagonist pretty likable for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, not infallible. Yeah, yeah, not infallible by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly kind of, you know, finding the right sort of goofy mix of just, you know, a kid who is clearly in over his head as he deals with some supernatural shit. Um, and uh, and the most of the supporting cast around him is also fun to watch and all of that. Uh, there is one exception to that, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. Um, that, that was very much nails on a chalkboard for me. Um, but yeah, I, I found it to be fun. I found it to be goofy. Um, not a lot of scary stuff in there for the most yeah, part. It's a, it's a good, it's a good mix of horror and comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. De- and it definitely felt like more comedy and more kitschy than, than horror. Um, I will say I was definitely impressed with some of the, like the makeup effects that the, they the did. The special effects are pretty um, great. The special effects were, yeah, were actually quite good. Um, and, and, and in a way some of those like 
distorted face mm-hmm. looks were actually kind of some of the scariest stuff, right. from especially that moment at the end. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> when, um, when Amy kind of turns around in the basement and she's got the massive mouth. Uh, yeah. Um big mouths are are a, yeah, are an instant horror for you. Fear thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Just like weird distorted mouths. Um and uh and boy did they have that. You um, mentioned you mentioned the uh, music. The the music was actually composed by uh Brad Fidel who is also known as the composer for the Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh that's cool. Yeah. I actually really love the music in this movie. It's uh it's very it's very 80s, it's very uh new wave, but it's also like very hypnotic and sensual and it really fits especially like the main vampire theme that you hear whenever yeah. Chris Sarandon is doing his thing and Yeah, very much you know. so. Yeah, it 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 it, it very much accentuates everything that he is doing. I would definitely say Chris Sarandon is like one of the best things about the movie. Oh my god. Um he's just he's he's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's really good <laughs> in this. Um he just he has such great presence. Yeah. And um and yeah the camera really likes him oh, and yeah. the music is definitely backing him up for the whole thing. We're gonna um, talk more about the movie in a second, but uh, <laughs> first we're gonna do some trivia. Oh yeah we are. Are you ready to play some Fright Night trivia? Yeah yeah yeah, I was feeling I was, pretty uh, confident. I, I feel okay. I mean, I think last week was definitely, uh, you know, er, yeah, the last one we did was definitely definitely had me uh, routed a little bit. So, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna see. We're gonna All see right. how I do. Well, this is your chance to redeem yourself. Yeah, a little bit. This is for bragging rights. Yeah, I want as, I want my bragging rights back. As always, there's gonna be five questions and a bonus. Yeah, and the questions are gonna go hopefully in order. <laughs> Least challenging to most challenging. From least difficult to most difficult. Or least challenging to most challenging. Difficile. All right. Question number one. This one is about the vampire Mr. Jerry Dandridge, played so well by Chris Sarandon. Mm -hmm. Jerry Dandridge has a proclivity towards what type of fruit? Towards apples. Correct. Yeah. He eats apples quite a bit during the movie. Yeah. Always munching on those apples. Yeah. Um, it's good for him, you know? Good vital vitamins. Well, here's a here's a little addendum to the trivia. Trivia about the trivia. Good. Uh, when Chris Sarandon was doing research for this role, um, he realized that most bats are actually frugivores. They eat, they, they eat fruits. They're not really cannibals. Or, I mean... Um, carnivores. Carnivores. They're not yeah. carnivores. They eat fruits. So... He decided that, you know, Jerry has a lot of fruit bat in his DNA, and that explains why his character is always munching on apples. Um, He decided that his character uses it as a way to cleanse his palate after draining the blood of his victims. I like that. That's a nice touch. Yeah, that's fun. Fun... Fun little, fun little facts for the whole family. There's a lot of like really great charactery stuff that that's going on in this movie. In fact, Tom Holland, the director, um, he was trained as a stage actor, and they extensively um, rehearsed this movie before they even filmed it. And one of the things that he made the audio, the the cast member do, cast members do was to write bios uh, about their characters and, and to really, you know, create backstories for all of them. And you can tell in the movie, I feel like all the characters are just very well-realized and there's not a lot of exposition that's necessary because the characters are already pretty 
or like they're alive, the characters. For the yeah, most part. yeah, that's kind of the thing about this movie. Yeah, that that I really, yeah, it it really it, there's there's no sense of feeling like there's any slack from pretty much any of the like main right. speaking roles. Right. Like everyone is just yeah, everyone's like really invested. Everyone is like fully realized. Um, there's never there's never anything generic in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, everybody pretty much has something specific going right. on, and um, and that's really cool. I I, I appreciate that that this director you know really really likes to work with actors right it's always nice to kind of hear about directors that are like yeah yeah doing what we can to help facilitate the good work for them i agree all of that so that's that's fun all right so you got question number one that was super easy got it and here comes question number two are you ready yeah what class is charlie failing Ooh, he's feeling trig. Trigonometry! Yeah, man. As as I did not do well with trigonometry. I'm not a big math guy either. Yeah, I mean, I liked math a lot in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in, like, all the advanced math classes. Um, But when we finally got around to trigonometry, like, there was never a point during any of my trig tests where I felt like, oh, okay, yes, I understand this. Oh, wait, sorry, no. You know what? It wasn't trigonometry that was a problem for me. It was calculus. Uh, calculus. Calculus was the one that I remembered, like, I got through all of my high school math, and I was like, there has never been a point where I actually was like, yes, I understand calculus and know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I basically just, like, struggled through it, yeah. and all the calculus parts of my final exams, I was just like, oh, uh, I'm just I'm, I'm just going to take those losses mm-hmm. there, and, and then just did well enough on the other parts of the exam. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, those are both like subjects that I'm like. I mean, I, I after studying them, I, I basically have no knowledge of them anymore. They're just <laughs> my brain decided not to yeah. like retain any of that information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you got that right. That's trigonometry. Um, here comes question number three. All right. What is the stake that kills Evil Ed fashioned out of? Uh, it was from the, uh, it was from, like, the stairway. It was, like, taken from, like, the, the sort of the banister of the, the stairway. Right? Because he, because he, because he runs down the hall and crashes into the, into the stairway and... The bar- and banister? Yeah. He crashes into a table and into the banister. Oh. The table leg, it, it's a table leg. It's, it's the from table the table. leg. Oh, I missed the table. Ah. Oh! Ah! No! <laughs> no! My downfall begins again! And then he stabs that wolf right in the heart. All right, well, there's a bonus question, so we'll see. You know, the makeup for Evil uh, Ed's wolf transformation took 18 hours to put on. And uh, while he had the wolf head on, the crew... They began pouring what they thought was methyl cellulose into his mouth, and that was used to create the illusion of saliva. But when Jeffries, the actor, began to complain about the taste, Mark Brian Wilson, the makeup artist, realized that they'd been using prosthetic adhesive, which was gluing his mouth shut. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, dude! Oh, yeah. Oh! That's really unpleasant. Oh, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. When I was talking about how, like, you know, there was one exception to the likability... Of of the of the allies, 
That that exception was Evil Ed. I found him absolutely unbearable. But that's awful to hear. I feel terrible for that actor that he had to go through that. Um, yeah. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, all the makeups in this movie, I feel like... It it just took, takes such a toll on the actors anyway, and there's such an extensive makeup in this movie, and like they're all like I can't, except for I guess Charlie and and Peter Vincent never actually had to do a lot of makeup, but all the yeah. uh, the rest of them had to do a lot of makeup effects. Yeah. Uh, another thing is about the the contacts. So the, back then in the 80s, the con- you know contacts weren't as sophisticated as they are now. They were basically made out of hard plastic. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, contacts were like, yeah, not comfortable. So they were only supposed to wear them for like 20 minutes at a time because Ooh. they were so aggravating and uncomfortable and painful even. Well, the the scene where Jeffries uh, is in bed pretending to be Charlie's mom, he actually ended up wearing his contacts for 40 minutes during while they were shooting that, and it resulted in like long-term scarring of his eyes that he had for for like about a a year or so afterwards dude yeah oh that is the things we do for our craft yeah man (laughs) i i i will i i i hated his performance so much but like i i give him props for i give him props for for those prop failures i guess you could say (laughs) all right here comes question number four all right how much money does Charlie give Evil to enlist his help? Gives him eight dollars. Eight bucks. Eight bucks. Which so, you know, uh, I, I did like his line. Who am I to refuse a fool's who money? Who am I to refuse a fool's money? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Deliver. Yeah, exactly. Like, please, please do that off-putting laugh more, please, Mister uh, Ed. Jeffrey's auditioned to be Charlie's character. But and he was disappointed when they gave him Evil Ed's uh, role because um, he was like, "Why?" why would so he I decided to alienate everybody within a you know six foot radius hey, with that I, fucking laugh. I actually, I actually like the character. <laughs> I, I can see why it would it would be grating, but um, he's yeah. uh, he's an '80s sidekick. They were all like that, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I get, I get what he was going for. Like, I I understand what he was going for. It was just that. There was clearly something wrong with the mix there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get that '80s friend who's just, who's just always goofy and mm-hmm. always ready with a joke, and uh, and and even yes, is a little bit annoying. Mm-hmm. But like in that, but like you have to still be annoying in a way that shows that you're still there. It just, it felt like he was in a completely different universe from yeah. like the other characters. Because like again, he was more movie, cartoony. Yeah, yeah, and he, he well, it, the whole movie like kind of has a kitschy, cartoony feel. Yeah. Um, but but his performance, I felt, was just kind of way off in some in some weird direction. <laughs> some 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 other fucking cartoon, like yeah. some nihilistic, abstract, <laughs> uh, painful torture laughter cartoon of some sort. Is what I'm going. Nah. With, so, well, I guess to each their own. A little bit, yeah. I, yeah. I enjoy, we, we, I enjoy yeah, the yeah, we made. I feel. I feel like uh, it, it works well, especially at, at post his transformation into a vampire, like because. 
I guess having him be his nickname be evil is kind of foreshadowing anyway. Yeah. But then when he transforms into a vampire, it's like, oh yeah, I mean, he could be. How could he be anything but a vampire? Yeah. Well, it's so. just yeah. Well, it's and also it's just it's one of those things where it's like you know when when you enunciate every syllable, mm-hmm. then no syllable has any meaning, and it just that that uh, was the kind of performance he was that like he kind pitched, of made, where uh, he was just he was kind of hammering everything right. with the same level whatever. So it just there was just there was no room for our brain to kind of digest the few jokes right. that he wanted to kind okay. of give a little punch to. Right. That, that's that's, I that's hear my take. I understand that. Take, I understand I mean? that. Yeah. 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 All right. So act four turned out to be easier than three. Well, uh, I, I think <laughs> it was just, it was just a crucial thing that I missed in that moment. So but, um, we'll see. But you're doing good. You got uh, most of them so far. You only yeah. missed one. Here comes yeah. question number five. All right. Okay. This is the hardest one. Yeah. What's the name of the nightclub where Jerry kidnaps Amy? I remember there was a moment where he specifically said the name of the club. When he says the name, he's cut off. But you do see the sign, the neon sign of the club. Because oh. I, re- I, I realized that when I was watching it, that he says the name, but he's cut off when he's saying the name. He doesn't say the full okay, name. Okay, okay. So that's part of it. That's part of why I was like, what the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck did you just say? What, what fucking club? But um, you do see the neon sign. Orlando, I did, I did not. <gasps> I did not see the neon sign. I missed it. It's, I a missed very, it. it's a very 80s name. It is Club Radio. Club Radio? <laughs> yeah. Club Radio? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Our our establishment's divining characteristic (laughs) is that we play music from the radio at this club. That's what the youngins like, right? They love radio radio songs. Oh, yeah, those kids out there, they love that radio music. Human music. Human music. Oh, God. So an interesting thing that in that sequence uh, that stands out to me and uh, Chris Sarandon actually like recalls this incident too. He talks about how what Holland he, he collaborated with the choreographer whose name was Doraine uh, Gruzman in shooting the di- the disco dance scene, and to have Amanda Beers' character physically change during that scene. And I, I find that scene is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. I think yeah. that it's really well made, and you can actually see her transform from the innocent ingenue into this really sexual woman. Um, and she goes from looking rather dewy, innocent looking to this like femme fatale. She grows up before your eyes. She, that's also the scene where she realizes that Jerry is a vampire when she's like, I love when she's dancing and she looks at herself in the mirror and she's dancing by herself. Um, it's very, some very, very cool touches in, in that in that scene. And then of course, Chris Sarandon just bringing on the sex appeal. Holy yeah. fuck. Oh yes. Oh yes. That, that man was just sexy. That that that, that <laughs> like uh that that long sleeved whatever he was wearing oh, at yeah. the club. I was like yeah, like at first I was like, oh, he's he's going out in public at night. How is he going to make that work? But then like he was just in the club and I was like, oh yeah, he's blending. Seducing he's people smoking. without even trying. Yeah. You even noticed that like all the women were just like reaching out to touch him. Yeah, I know. It was pretty great. They just uh, wanted a piece of it. Yeah, I get, I get it. I, I get it. Jerry, Jerry. Totally get it. All right. So you got three out of five. Yeah. So you so could tough. use this bonus. I could. I really could. 
I actually have two bonus questions you this do? time. Okay, let's see. Let's see if we need them both. But because also, I'd be curious to hear them both. One of them is easier and the other one's harder, so I thought, well, let's let's do the easy one also, just in case. So here's okay. the easy one first. Okay. Bonus. Peter Vincent makes an allusion to horror movies that feature demented madmen running around in ski masks hacking up young virgins. Which notable horror film series features a killer in a ski mask? Um, oh. There's I, only I, like three that you can choose from. I, I know, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Um, Narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, narrowing it down. Um, when also, also, part of it is that... Okay, wait. Um, I'm gonna. Okay, you know what? I'm. I'm gonna just commit. I'm gonna shoot my shot. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say the the Friday the Thirteenth series because that's the one that has Jason, right? Correct. It's Friday the Thirteenth. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. The ski mask doesn't actually make an appearance until the third movie. Yeah. But uh, I remember hearing that, and like, mm-hmm. yeah, that like Jason wasn't really Jason until right. uh, you know. But, later in the series, right. but, but it's but it's th- that's the iconic Jason look is him in the ski mask and yeah. with I think like a, mach- a machete yeah, just like machete. hacking people down. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, the only other two choices that you could really have picked from were Friday the Thirteenth. I'm sorry, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street and the Halloween series. Yeah, those are the old, the other two iconic <laughs> 80s slasher series, and they both feature villains in really iconic get-ups. Uh, Freddy Krueger has the knife fingers, and yeah. uh, Michael Myers from Halloween has the William Shatner mask. Yeah, that yeah, that's the thing. I, I almost got tripped up there. Like I, I knew it was I knew it was really a reference to Jason, but um but yeah, I, I think uh, it, yeah, if, if I was not if I was thinking about the wrong thing at the wrong time, I might have said Halloween mm. instead of uh Instead of Friday. But you didn't. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Um, a bonus addendum uh, trivia to the trivia. Okay, good. One of the bouncers at the club, uh, whose name is Nick Savage, the one who first confronts Jerry, he actually plays one of the three motorcycle gang members killed by Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th Part 3. Oh. So, nice, interesting piece of yeah, cross-casting there. Yeah, it's the horror film industry. Here's the extra bonus. Now, this one is pretty hard, which is uh, why I gave you the easy bonus. But let's see if you know it, okay? Yeah. This is a, this is a pretty interesting tidbit and uh, detail in this movie. What type of Japanese gaming machine does Charlie have in his room? Ooh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know, but I you recognized the machine. That it, it well, I remembered. I remembered it as it got smashed up, right, in that scene, and just being like, "Oh yeah, that's a weird fucking thing that he has there." Just randomly. Um, it's yeah. called a plashenko machine. That's a plashenko machine. Yeah, that's a plashenko machine. Oh my god, I can't believe it. There was all this controversy around uh, Konami, uh, the developers of one of my favorite game series, Mm -hmm. because basically Konami no longer makes video games. They now make uh, Pachinko machines, which I don't know if those are, I don't know if those are like digital Pachinko machines or something. Oh, I actually meant to say Pachinko. Uh, I don't know why I put the L in there. It's 
pachinko. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. It's yeah. the same thing. So okay. they only make pachinko machines now? Or, yeah, basically they've pivoted away from like, That's re- really from, like weird. AAA game development and now make like, you know, pachinko machines. It's, it's a big industry in Japan. So in Japan, yeah. uh, pachinko machines basically fill in the uh, the niche that a slot machine would yeah. in America. Uh, now in Japan, gambling for money is technically illegal. So they get away with it. While they have these pachinko parlors, you actually trade in the balls that you earn for tokens, prize tokens. And then you can take these tokens to uh, other businesses where you exchange the tokens for money. And the other businesses are not by name attached to the pachinko parlors themselves, but in reality, they are. So yeah. the casino makes the money back that way. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's Very a will, there's a way. There's, so that's a pachinko machine. That's a pachinko that's, machine. That's the root of all my sorrow. Good Lord. Well, um, that's the end of the trivia. Uh, good job. You did pretty all right. Uh, yeah, I did okay. I, I think, yeah, about about the same as uh, yeah. last week. So yeah. I've got a, I've got... I've got some work to middling, do. Middling uh, bragging rights, but yeah, you'll do better next time, I'm th- sure. I think so. Now, yeah. this the, one of the things that I love about this movie is that you can tell that it's a labor of love. Like, you can tell that Tom Holland really respects the source material of, you know, what, you know all those, like, kitschy horror movies that I'm sure he grew up on featuring, you know, Vincent Price. In fact, the Peter Vincent character was named after horror icons Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. And Holland specifically wrote the role of Peter Vincent for Price, but Price, his health was kind of ailing at the time. So that's why they went with Roddy McDowell, who I actually think is really great in this movie also. Um, But you can tell there's like love and detail just poured into every aspect of this movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Definitely, it. Yeah, they they don't shy away from like any details um, in like the writing and the characterizations, and definitely in the effects. Um, yeah, they they definitely, for the most part, I would say they like they invest time in the most interesting moments. Like I think the dance scene, yeah, is actually kind is of like a perfect example of really that. Great. Just um, yeah, that uh, there's this kind of awareness of just like that uh, they're. They've, they've fostered really good chemistry mm-hmm. and so they they really just put in that effort to like to really make that scene pop and mm-hmm. and um, to sort of mix up the chase with this with this with the vampiric seduction and and I think it was it was it was awesome of them to do that um, uh, because yeah you need to find opportunities for the vampire to kind of do what the vampire right. does best, which is seduce. Like, right. you don't want it to just be a generic creature feature where it's like, well, yeah, the cat's out of the bag and we know he's a vampire now. So I, I liked how they incorporated, um, yeah, the opportunity to kind of let him, let him, let him do his little, his little seduction mm-hmm. that, that leads to his prize. There's a lot in here that like are just like touches that are homages to the hammer horror films. And then of course the American Vincent Price movies, which I mentioned Uh, it and, and, and just putting that nice little sheen of like an eighties teen comedy. It's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, I, I really enjoyed a lot whenever they were filming it. It was, it's interesting that Columbia pictures, they actually gave this movie the lowest budget 
of the, any movie that they had that year. Hmm. They didn't really have a lot of ex- expectations for it. In fact, they were focusing all their attention on a John Travolta, Jamie Lee Curtis film. Um, and I, I want you to tell me if you've ever heard of this movie. It's called Perfect. I have not. I did not either. Wait. I have not heard this Does this, this movie. movie... Okay, so... Wait. It's some sort of romantic drama that... John, wait, John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis? John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> there is, um... Apparently... I've seen this trend on Twitter mm-hmm. that, um... <laughs> apparently there is a, a scene where, um... I think Jamie Lee Curtis is, like, leading an exercise class. And it's a very 80s exercise class with a lot of uh, aerobic pelvic thrusting. I don't know. Maybe it's from that movie. And, I don't know. And and John Travolta then is like in the class. Oh, and, maybe it is from and that movie. so I, I think it must be this movie. <laughs> and and there's just all these shots of like them doing all these ridiculous pelvic dance moves and then, you know, this hot John Travolta looking at this hot Jamie Lee Curtis and like they're both just making sex wow. eyes at each other as the scene happens. And somebody like just posted that entire scene on Twitter and was like, this scene sounds, is where my head's at right now. That sounds terrible. Um, yeah, it, it, it looks fucking ridiculous in the best way. So because the studio had all their expectations on this movie, Perfect, they pretty much left production on Fright Night alone. So Tom Holland and, and their crew, they could pretty much do whatever they wanted. Um, and when the film came out, it Perfect became a huge bomb and it failed miserably with critics, whereas Fright Night actually made quite a bit of money it, it had uh, it garnered critical acclaim and it became the second highest grossing horror movie of the year after a nightmare on elm street part two freddy's revenge so i thought that was really interesting you mentioned the special effects uh, the makeup effects are are great but the other special effects the optical effects i think are also really great in this movie uh richard edland who was the head of the visual effects his team had just completed work on Ghostbusters the year before. Now, Ghostbusters was this insane, like, high-budget, high-concept comedy horror. It made a shit ton of money, and the special effects were top-notch. So when they worked on Fright Night, they he actually recounts how they had made all of this these mistakes, and they knew how to do the match shots and everything on Ghostbusters with their huge budget— so when they came on Fright Night, they really knew how to do the special effects as inexpensively and efficiently as they could do. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Ghostbusters, um, yeah, I mean, Ghostbusters is definitely, a, a, you know, a fantastic, um, a fantastic production. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, there's a lot of great effects work in that movie. So yeah. that's... That's really cool to know that that movie also obviously made made many other great yeah, films. Yeah, it made Fright Night like, better. Like like this possible. Yeah. All right, let's go right into our GSV segments. All the right. first of which is shots, 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 shots. We're talking about the gratuitous violence. Yes. Indeed, there is a lot of violence in this movie. There is definitely um the not the highest body count though. I How many people it, could, died in this movie? Uh, okay, so there were there were um there was like uh, two women. Wait, what? well, there's okay. Well, this, so there's there's 
there's two women. Mm-hmm. Blonde lady, brunette lady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but also the newscaster begins by talking about a body that was found by the train tracks. Not on screen, though. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Um, well, I, the, none of the, well, the, the women weren't on, the women were alive on screen, at least, at some they point. Were. They, they were. They didn't die. They didn't perish on, on screen. screen. But, um, but, but we I, know that they died for sure. But, yeah. By we, the hands of the vampire. Yeah, yeah. But we know, yeah, exactly. Um, then we have... If we're talking about just people who died on screen, then there's only... I mean, them plus, uh, them plus, uh... Uh, the vampire and the vampire's uh, sidekick, I guess, basically. Jerry, Billy. Yeah. yeah. Ed all died on screen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ed did die. Although yeah. we're kind of left well, to believe that he's yeah, not I think, I dead. Think, yeah, I think the teaser at the end, yeah, he, he did, his death doesn't quite count. But there are two more that I picked up. Oh, there were? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The other two happen super fast. Okay, you got it. You got it. You got it. It's at the dance. Uh, he he kills the two bouncers. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Good point. Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. Yeah, I forgot. He definitely killed them. Um, a lot of the violence is enhanced by the wacky special effects. Uh, yeah. The transformations, of course. Um, evil transforming back from a wolf into into evil. That that was pretty great. Um, yeah, yeah, that, uh, this is what I'll say. I do think, um, I do think that a couple of those, uh, sort of special effect death sequences kind of went on a little long for my taste. Mm. Um, I felt like, uh, certainly I get that they obviously had some really great special effects and they mm-hmm. really wanted to get their money's worth. Squeeze it. <laughs> you know, squeeze, you know, really get, get as much use out of it as possible. I do think that, um, some, but I think I am thinking definitely specifically of, um, of evil Ed, you know, dying and transforming from a wolf back into a person. I, I kind of agree with that. I think that that sequence does that, goes on, go on a little bit too yeah. long. Yeah. And especially just because it's like, I think there are like three, you know, reverse takes of, of, of uh, Vincent's mm-hmm. face uh, throughout that sequence. And it's just like, it's clear that even he kind of is running out of ways to, to react to, to it, give arc to that whole, to that whole sequence of shots. And it was just like, Roddy McDowell so, yeah, does I, his was, best. I was definitely kind of like, yeah, we're, we're, we get it. We get it. He, he's dying. He's mm-hmm. dying. It's painful. It's scary. It's creepy. Uh, but we're ready to move on. We're ready to move on to the people who are still alive and in peril. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so yeah, I thought that sequence went on along. I think even the what's what was the name of the vampires? Uh, B- Billy. Billy. Which also, what was Billy wasn't necessarily a vampire. He was definitely an undead person. I I I would put him in the, the zombie category. Yeah, I've never seen a zombie behave like that though. I but, mean, well, maybe not. Well, like, like a stake, like stabbed with a stake, and he just like melts and explodes. Not like, a not a Romero zombie. Oh, I don't know what he was. Yeah, but yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. Was he was tough. an undead creature of some sort. Maybe yeah. an enchanted skeleton or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. That, that one gave me pause. Um, I don't and, know what you and, would call and, it. And, and I'll have you know, I've been resisting Buffy the Vampire Slayer comparisons <laughs> fucking heroically. 
as of this moment. I think they're appropriate for this movie. It's they are, movie. I think, definitely. There's a lot of vampire lore here. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, Billy's a tough one to classify. But yeah, I thought I thought his sequence also again kind of kind of went on stretched out a little bit. I think I think it makes sense for you know for Jeremy's death to Jerry Jerry for Jerry's death. My bad uh, to to take longer because he's the big bad the of big the bad, film. Yeah. So you gotta you know you gotta have a good finish for that. But um, yeah. I like the uh, the sequence where he transforms into a bat and then attacks Peter Vincent. Uh, the the pat the bat puppet is pretty great. <laughs> and when they were filming it, apparently they had trouble keeping the the puppeteer out of the shot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently Roddy McDowell like hit him the the puppet so hard once that he cracked the skull of the puppet, and they had to like delay filming for two days while they fixed it. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. But that, I couldn't that, even imagine. Uh, I I have yet to like be in like a film like an expensive film shoot and mm-hmm. i couldn't even imagine like fucking breaking something on <laughs> set that's like well okay now all these fucking union people are just gonna be sitting with their thumbs up their yeah. asses for the next five days because you broke the light right. or something like that so yeah. um yeah i couldn't even imagine yeah i mean it happens uh but that puppet is pretty pretty gnarly i liked it a lot um of course like all the all the vampire effects are great uh Jerry's um, fingers are so gray, like when the elongated fingernails. Yeah, when they get a little longer, and yeah, you got those long nails. Um, I really, I really liked like the first time when he got like stabbed, and then he like turns around, and you see like the monster face yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Um, in Charlie's room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was, yeah, I definitely, I definitely really liked. The, the makeup work. It was all just so really, They really actually, the, the team constructed this special pencil to create that effect of him pulling the pencil out of his hand oh, yeah. so that it could be seen in a seamless shot. And and they actually, like the director or the editor, I don't know, but, but you know, the director is overseeing everything, so I'm sure it was ultimately his, his, his choice. Um, he put a cutaway scene in between and basically ruined the the shot of it because it's supposed to be like one seamless motion to take the pencil out and they worked really hard on that to make it seem like it was an optical effect like it seemed like he was actually pulling a pencil out of his hand oh man but But he inserted the cutaway oh man (laughs) stupid fucking directors i know ruining all the work yeah ruining his own movie but uh yeah i mean Everything with Jerry is great. Uh, when he when he shows up in the room and just like flinging Charlie around, and, yeah. Um, even like I think like in, in the chaos and, and the violence of the club, it, how it just focuses on his calm presence, I think is really unnerving to me. That yeah. was one of the parts that really worked to me for me as a horror film. Like when when the crowd is is rushing out of the of the exit. And and Charlie loses sight of Amy, and then he looks down, uh, and, and and there Jerry is. And Jerry and, is yeah. carrying Amy, and he looks up and he just smiles. Yeah, it's that's really great. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. He he just fucking nailed it. He, I know, he nailed that fucking performance. Um, so good, so smooth, so smooth, so suave, so sexy. Right. Speaking of sexy, let's go into our next segment. Yeah, the, I which think is we're ready for it. 
Boob tube. And and we so we, so we get some boobs. We, we did get some boobs. We do get some boobs. But honestly, yeah, I think the sexiest thing, the most gratuitously Jerry, sexy Chris Sarandon. thing is is <laughs> yeah, is is Mr. Sarandon and Woo! and specifically I would say the dance scene. The like dance that scene. dance Woo! scene like that steamy. was me. That was yeah, that was all the steam I fucking needed. Like just yeah. Yeah, it was just so. Yeah, the music, the music powered it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that eighties, that you know. Oh that, yeah, yeah. That that uh, un unde- undepletable resource that is the eighties music. Because uh, to me, like, uh, uh, and I, uh, there's a reason why I love eighties movies, and I love the music in eighties movies. The synth music, it it sounds slick, but also has this hint of like danger to it, like yeah. the new metal music. And in that movie, that that sequence in the movie, it has like that sexiness, but it also has that edge, yeah. you know, that makes it seem like off kilter and really dangerous. Works yeah. well with the subject matter, definitely. Um, and then, of course, like we mentioned, we see Amy basically grow up before our eyes, and that like her hair is yeah. like perfect, and then by the end of it, it's all teased out, and she's glowing from like sweat, and and then he takes her home with her and does the vampire version of fucking, which is biting the shit out of her neck. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, I, 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 I will say, I will say, because again, I think the dance scene is definitely one of the highlights of the film. It's one of my favorite things. I do think that that part of the film, just from a storytelling perspective, had me a little confused and a little muddled because, um, prior to that scene, um, you know they're they're you know they're they're walking home um evil ed does his you know evil ed dies in mm-hmm. the in the whatever but they don't necessarily know that he's dead mm-hmm. but also at this point they've also gotten freaked out and are like picking up the pace and then they see jerry on the street mm-hmm. and are actively fleeing him and like then he you know yeah. magically shows up right in front of them right and then they fucking book it so like they're running from him and they clearly fear him and then she uh, but then but then charlie is on the phone and for whatever reason not checking his fucking surroundings right. while on the phone um classic 80s well, mistake yeah classic 80s mistake <laughs> but 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 classic 80s mistake aside uh the the point i'm driving to though is that then she she is catching these glimpses of jerry in the uh-huh. club and and so what i'm wondering is if 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 jerry is if Jerry is like making her his thrall at that point, like is he is he using hypnosis on her oh, during I, that sequence? I think like, I think that's established because uh, when yeah. he's walking around, all all the women are reaching out to him. Like he has yeah. he has this seductive presence. Okay, yeah, and he he just like takes her in with his stare. Yeah, basically, exactly. Yeah, because that, yeah, that that was a thing. And and again, it's not like I need the movie to necessarily be like, oh, and also by the way, vampires hypnotize. But it's but I like, think that's pretty well established but, but, in vampire lore is that they they seduce yeah. women fairly easily. Yeah, yeah, and that there people, is, not yeah. just women, they seduce people. Yeah, exactly. Easily. Yeah, that they're they're able to draw people right. in and and all that stuff. So, yeah, that that was the one thing where uh, there uh, it took me a couple beats where I was like why why are you why are you wandering? Why are you wandering towards him in the club right. and then why why do you get so taken in? And then obviously the sequence is great mm-hmm. and um and all that stuff. But yeah, that was the one moment where I was a little like 
from a storytelling perspective. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if they necessarily needed to make it clearer that he was... The yeah. first time that we see Jerry in action um, when Charlie's looking out the window, which is a great homage, I think, to uh, Rear Window, yeah. is he's like he's like sleeping there with the binoculars, which reminds me of of James Stewart sleeping with the camera with the yeah. with the long lens. Um, and then he notices uh, Jerry across the way seducing the brunette lady. Yeah, and I th- I think that that is such a like sexy opening to this character also especially i feel like what he notices uh charlie looking at him yeah and he just like just stares him down yeah, it's like, very seductive yeah, very clear that they lock eyes and he's mm-hmm. like yeah and it's almost I'm about like to do this it's almost like the movie establishes very early on a rivalry between them uh a sexual rivalry in fact the movie starts out with Charlie attempting to lose his virginity with Amy. That's how we're introduced to Charlie. And then this neighbor next door comes in who has no problem getting women and uh, seducing them and then killing them. Yeah. And and it's almost like the movie um, is establishing this rivalry between like seasoned male sexuality and then uh, like the innocent, immature sexuality of, of a high school teenager. Yeah. And th- how that competes, like those two forces compete with each other over the same woman, ultimately. Yeah. Well, and it's, inter- well, and it's also interesting because, I mean, I don't think it's any accident that, um, that Charlie's mother uh, is definitely a bit thirsty. Too. Yeah, like, she's very that, thirsty. It's clear that she is a woman who has needs. Yeah. Um, I, I loved that, like, there's definitely this glint in her eyes when she like says to Amy, "Thanks for helping him study." Like yeah. I was definitely like like my takeaway from that moment was like, "Oh, she knew that they were fucking going right. at it." Right. Um. But but also that like yeah, there is this there is this kind of you know the fact that she's kind of lusting after this attractive new neighbor, mm-hmm. and um, then all of a sudden there he is mm-hmm. sitting downstairs and and uh, taunting him about how Ooh. he's going to be coming over a lot. Um, I thought that was great too. Because, yeah, like, so which is which is yeah. Again, one of the like rules really of vampires is like writing. if you don't invite them in, we know this from Buffy. That if you don't yeah. invite you, you you in, you can't come in. Yeah, and there he is sitting in his fucking living room yeah and he's like what too late did you think i would come over without being invited in yeah (laughs) and the way he like delivered those lines is just pitch perfect yeah uh i love like even in those lines i think like when he's trying to be funny he's still so disarming and charming yeah it's great like there's a reason why jerry dundridge has like evolved into this like pop culture like force like whenever even people who haven't seen fright night a lot of people like know of the vampire jerry dundridge because he's like in in a bunch of comic books and stuff and 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 it's because chris sarandon like just made him this really great character you know was did did the character originate with this film or yes that's that's so fascinating that he's kind of had a life beyond the film though that's, yeah that's it really is very cool. fascinating first buffy and now fright night like <laughs> man vampires just they know how to live past the confines of their uh, initial media yeah, and of course, Colin Farrell plays him in the remake, which, I mean, Colin Farrell is he's just not as suave in my mind in the remake, which yeah, I, I know that you haven't that's, seen. That's, but. Yeah, that, that's interesting casting. That's interesting casting, but 
yeah, I I don't necessarily see the smolder there. I don't necessarily see, you know, because that's the thing. Like, of you know, vampires, you know, they can be, you know, they have to be like devastatingly attractive men, but also like you need that sense that they're an old soul too. Um, you need you need that maturity because that's that's an intrinsic part of their sexual appeal. As so well. apart from being in the two movies. He's featured in the Fright Night comics, which I mentioned. Now, the Fright Night comics, they're, they're spelled a little differently. Um, her, his name is spelled a little differently, but it's still pretty much the same character. Uh, and he's also used in an arcade-style computer game uh, released in 1988. And he's also a minor character in the 1995 Kim Newman novel called The Bloody Red Baron. Mm. So he's definitely had a life outside of this movie. That's 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 fucking cool mm-hmm. and and well deserved. Mm-hmm. He's a great vampire. Going back to the uh, theme of the uh, older older man and younger man. Even director Tom Holland says something about this. He says, "Forgetting about vampirism, what the film is about, on one level, is an older man trying to take a younger man's girl away from him." Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that because our next segment is called. Uh, that's problematic. And I wanted to talk about that that relationship between... I mean, I, uh, vampires are like hundreds of years old anyway. Yeah. But, but Jerry's definitely coded as maybe not middle-aged, maybe like young middle-aged, like early 40s, late 30s, early 40s is what I got from him. Yeah. And he's seducing a girl who's a, a teenager in high school. Like yeah. m- maybe a junior, senior. Yeah. Maybe... If we're going to go low-end, 17, high-end, 18, yeah, definitely still somewhat problematic, I think. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think, um, it, yeah, the, the first moment when he, you know, when he lays eyes on her and then kisses her hand, mm-hmm. um, certainly, certainly that move would not play in this, in this year of right. our Lord 2020. Um, even if it was for, a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, firstly, also social distancing, but oh, also yeah, beyond right. that, um, just, uh, yeah, I think there, there is definitely something that's a li- that was a little off putting and seeing that first moment just because, yeah, again, you, you kind of, you get that sense that he is mature and mm-hmm. she is very much not mature. Although she does um, evolve in the movie, as we've mentioned, she does become yeah, very yeah. mature by the end of it. Yeah, she does. And, and, and definitely there's, there's a, you know, there's a more mature quality to her when she transforms into a vampire. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, she's still, you know, and again, I think, you know, the, with the with how the dance sequence evolves. Yes, I, I know what you're saying about like her aging as well through that process as well. But um but yeah, no, definitely in those first moments, yeah, that that first kiss of the hand was a little off putting. Um What do you think about Amy as a character? Um I I like her. It's interesting. I mean, uh, uh, there there was one little problematic thing uh, that I wanted to mention and, and it's like, you know, it's a small moment of just um of of that first moment that she's kind of repeatedly telling him no when mm. Charlie keeps trying to push things forward. All I ever hear is no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he goes and kind of says that to her, which I was definitely like, look, that she's she's setting clear boundaries that you keep then and he does trying to push recognize past it and, and yeah ask for forgiveness. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He does. He does make it right. But but yeah, I just wanted to call out that, mm-hmm. that first moment. Um, I, I think I think that that that's supposed to. I mean, I, I I agree with you completely. I think that that's 
on purpose. I feel like yeah, that, that's yeah. going back. That's going back to that whole like a teenage ma- ma- male male teenager sexuality versus an older experienced yeah. male sexuality. Yeah, definitely. And 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 all of that, including when she does, you know, come to the decision, mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm ready. And then, and but then it's like, like, but it's her, but it's her laying herself out on right. the bed and you know covering up part of her body to be like, okay. I'm ready, which is like you know, my heart kind of breaks right, for a little bit. Right. Like, oh no! And now he's already, and then he's, now he's just already like, like his focus looking, is somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, because you know he's he's a dope like that. Yeah. Um, but to your initial question, um, about Amy, um, I like her character. Um, I think I I. I it's interesting because I I think that uh, in terms of the. The that's problematic conversation. I don't. I don't necessarily feel like there is that much. I mean, aside from the age dynamic thing between her and Jerry, um, there isn't that much about her character that kind of feels particularly cruel. Because I think right. that I think that she um, she actually is pretty mature and communicative she's more mature right. than charlie is she in is many definitely instances, and the way she kind of tries to bridge the weird divide between them and also because like when it's clear that charlie has gone down this rabbit hole of this like vampire you know fantasy mm-hmm. that you know from her perspective right. is clearly a problem um she actually like kind of goes the extra mile that like yeah. even though he's been like treating her like shit she's like oh no it's clear he's actually going through something really serious and and like kind of tries to put in the effort to try to find a way to like snap him out of it and, and she goes out of her way to like she pays peter vincent 500 dollars to to go help yeah. charlie basically yeah she i mean she shouldn't have done that she shouldn't she shouldn't have fucking given up her 500 dollars yeah. savings bond that was bad but um but her also, heart was in the right place but yeah yeah it definitely speaks to um it, it speaks to kind of like yeah the the compassion of her character mm-hmm. and um and and also that just you know she she clearly uh yeah she she clearly kind of is is cognizant of the situation as it evolves and um so yeah i i thought she was a kind of a great character i mean i think you know, it, it just kind of it. It sucks that we don't get to see her character go much further than that. Because right. Because I, then I think for like basically the last third of the movie, she's pretty much like either under his thrall spell yeah. or is a vampire. So so we don't necessarily get to see that much resolution. Yeah, it or is that it, much further growth. It for is her. ultimately Charlie's movie, and she exists in the movie basically to give him the impetus to grow up. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. She 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 bolsters his arc. So. Mm. You know, again, uh, you know, if if we want to call out problematic things, there is just you know, but yeah, com- f- female female character who is a romantic interest whose sole purpose in the plot right. is to bolster the development of the male. But compared to like other play. like eighties horror movies, she is pretty well developed. I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Certainly, much more well developed than any of the female characters in society. For right. instance, mm-hmm. if we want to go back to yeah. You know, another horror film we've yeah. discussed recently. Um, not that not that there's really any level of direct comparison between these two <laughs> movies, um, because I, but partially because I think I think this movie kind of is is more tightly structured, and also because I think society actually had much bigger, grander loftier ideas, ideas yeah, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, so. this one's just like trying to have fun. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the queer coding in this movie. Did you pick up on that at all? 
Um, a touch of it, yeah. Certainly, I think um, a, a bit between um, Jerry and Billy, mm-hmm. um, to be sure. Definitely, definitely hints of uh, that in their dynamic. Um, do which, you think the, Do you think that that's uh, problematic? A lot of a lot of times, horror movies queer code their characters, and I f- I, f- I do feel that that's a problematic tendency. But um, we—that's a discussion. That's a grander discussion well, for another day. But we can talk about th- how this movie specifically pulls well, it off. Well, I think the 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 queer coding kind of plays out in another interesting way, which is um, in uh, how in in when Jerry corners Ed in the in the alley. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, because I think there is that moment that we kind of see Ed kind of trapped in the thrall. Still right. A little right. bit. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, so I think that there might be something a little problematic and, there. And his promises he, to Ed also is like, you'll never be bullied again, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's very much exactly. a grooming that takes place. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that, yeah, there's, there's kind of more, there's more problematic hints in there mm-hmm. in terms of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Because again, now we're looking at, we're looking at, at like a very clear power disparity between this you know older more mature man right. and this younger kid who's you know much more insecure yeah all that stuff so i think uh, so so i think there there's a there's potential for for problematic messages to be taken away from that right uh, in terms of just you know this 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 assumption of 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 queer predatory nature. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think I think that that can that can probably come off the wrong way and can send the wrong message. Um but is that something that you think is inherent to the vampire genre because I feel like there's a, a, a lot of the vampire you know stories that I've read or watched the vampires pretty much like want to fuck everything a little bit yeah there is this i mean yeah there is this kind of interesting thing about vampires and and i guess i'm going to pull in buffy a little more for this that yes that, please do <laughs> yes um that um that yeah that vampires um kind of are these like transcendent beings yeah. that they they go they 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 are beings that because of how long they've lived they they are beyond the 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 confines of mortal life mm-hmm. so they they don't they don't adhere to moral codes or right. or to sexual norms they mm-hmm. simply will continue to exist and will continue to take their pleasure as they see fit so i think that um that that is yeah, it, it's interesting to see that get fleshed out in different ways and in different films um but uh yeah yeah I don't know. That's an interesting question. Where, where, uh, what, what, what were some of the things that you noticed about, um, about, about some of those uh, coding choices in the film? So Jonathan it? Stark um, played Billy Cole uh, and Chris Sarandon. They actually didn't pick up on any of the gay subtext when they were reading the script and developing their characters. Uh, in fact, Chris Sarandon he talks about how. He didn't have any sense of it being anything other than uh, like a Renfield and Dracula, you know, just like Dracula and his servant. Like, that's what you get. But but I I feel like even in that situation, like, I mean, like, Bram Stoker Stoker didn't come out and say it, but I feel like even Renfield's relationship to Dracula is very homoerotic in a way, you know? Yeah, well, there's kind of like, I mean, I I actually, I, I, I... 
know very little of you know the source material of Dracula, mm-hmm. so like I've never read it. But I but I would assume it's it there's kind of a devotion in him, right? That it's like yeah, there's, there's like an undying a, devotion. Yeah, and I mean they, they he calls him master. It's very like yeah. BDSM in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Chris Chris Sarandon goes on to say. I think there was sort of an asexual quality to the relationship that was sort of borderline homoerotic, but not in the sense that it was creepy. Those are those are his words. Mm-hmm. Um, now a little, a little gay panic there. A little gay panic like, there from Mr. Look, no homo, no homo, no homo. Like <laughs> now, yeah. the scene to me that that jumps out at me because there's a lot of like subtle homoeroticism, but the one that's really blatant. Um, is when he gets stabbed in the hand and then we see the scene of of Billy tending to him and Billy's like kneeling before him and then when he pulls down the uh, the blinds it looks like Billy's about to perform oral sex on him oh, that's that's actually a good catch um yeah I I did notice that height difference um in that shot and um and yeah, now that you bring it up in this context, it's like, yeah, there's there's a little something that's a little sensual there. For me, what it was, was uh, there was a shot where, um, I, I forget what had just happened, but it's like Billy is on the stairs, and then um, and then uh, Jerry comes down right behind him and sort of like, you know, rests on mm, his shoulders yeah, right behind him a, a little bit. That, that was the shot for me that kind of went like, okay, so they're, it's clear that they're kind of you know that they they do have this like kind of tender you know right. dynamic with one and another. the mom even has that joke very early on when she's like he has we, she talks about how uh the, jerry has a live-in carpenter and he and she's like with any luck he'll be gay or something like that yeah yeah with my luck yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so so yeah i mean it's yeah it's definitely there in the script and and they they play with it a little bit now i don't um, i don't but, think that in the movie itself it it's necessarily problematic in the sense of, um, I mean, obviously, like that was a different time, so we have to keep that in in context, you know. That uh, yeah, but I don't think that they use it as a oh, gay people are evil kind of thing. Whereas there's a lot of horror movies that do do that. Yeah, yeah, that that sort of that 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 painted as like a a pervasive threat, like sleepaway right? camp, okay. for example, like talk is about. A, a cross dresser who, who kills people, and that that one's very problematic, you know. Cause, yeah, because we're talking about like how, or even Psycho. I think like Psycho um, uses it, it, Psycho is a brilliant movie, but it has a very regressive way of of <laughs> of talking about transsexuality and cross dressing. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, yeah, they they definitely sort of cleave to a very simplistic right. breakdown of. Of equating equating who, that with mental illness exactly whereas like in this movie i don't think that it, it ever goes that far i think that it's basically just like vampires yeah. always be fucking you know also <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about what little i've seen of dress to kill as well right too that definitely i think dress to kill was very problematic yeah, it definitely had a lot of, uh, of issues yeah so 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 yeah dress to the, kill the, is the, a brian de palma movie by the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've got i've got my own axe to grind as far as brian de palma is concerned but, um, uh, it's always it's interesting to me to always like in vampire lore um this actually doesn't come about that much in buffy that i'm aware of but in vampire lore there's always 
like a servant who is not a vampire because the vampire has to spend his days in a coffin or her his or her days in a coffin and so they have to have someone taking care of them yeah they, they don't have that um in buffy that much save for the one episode where dracula does appear in 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 the buffy verse ah, yes and um and and for that one he specifically uh recruits xander mm-hmm. uh, to be like his sort of human his reinfeld so, mm-hmm. like yeah yeah so um so so there is a little bit of that there but other than that buffy doesn't really necessarily play with the 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 sort of mortal companion angle that much mm-hmm. so so yeah so like the sexual aspect of the of a caretaker i guess is is very interesting to me yeah. Um, so we're wrapping up our discussion, but before we um, sign off, I do want to mention we haven't really talked about Roddy McDowell and how great he is in this movie. No, we haven't. And and yeah, it really was like, yeah, I, I really like that performance. There's a, I guess I would use the term movie magic in a way, mm-hmm. in terms of just like this idea of this, of this actor guy who who you know his whole life is doing these scary movies so that means that his apartment is also full of all right. of this like scary the movie trinkets. stuff and it's kind of like oh well the only the only expert we could ask on you know you know vampire lore and stuff like that is this actor who's been in these vampire movies um there was just kind of some, there was something very kind of like old school movie mm-hmm. about that and almost almost kind of like a spielbergian like sort of kids adventure type thing oh, in yeah. the way they in the way they kind of seek out his counsel and have to like talk him in a little bit into like believing that he's got what it takes to kind of actually be the the great vampire killer that he mm-hmm. you know plays on TV so i i really liked their decision to kind Kind of go with that angle for his character and um and yeah i really loved his performance throughout the whole thing and again he definitely kind of he hits the perfect he hits the tone of the film right perfectly. very yeah, well just like, very well you know Spot on. you know goofy and goofy and all that but still having like heart the, well. all the heart it's yeah. very interesting so that you picked up on all that so tom holland when he was writing the he was writing the script for cloak and dagger when he had the idea for this movie and his idea was based on uh, the boy who cried wolf, but it was like in his in his mind is the boy who cried vampire, like a you know a kid who realizes that a vampire moves next door, and when he was developing it, he couldn't figure out a way to finish it, and he's like, well, you know, there's not really anything there. It's just like a germ of an idea, but it's not enough to make a movie out of it. And then the thing that gave him the impetus was, oh shit, like if if there's a kid who is going through that, like who is he going to seek out when no one believes him? Fucking Vincent Price, and so. That's what gave him the idea to put the Vincent Price type character in the movie. And uh, when Roddy McDowell, he, he actually wanted Vincent Price to be in the movie, but he wasn't available due to his ailing health. And so Roddy came in and Roddy McDowell talks about his uh, his take on this character. He based him on the Cowardly Lion from The Wizard of Oz. Nice. Uh, how he like gains his courage through the movie. Um, and, and gaining his faith also in the movie. I thought yeah. his arc was was pretty well done. Um, another thing that he talked about his backstory when creating the character was that he imagined this guy had some success like 10, 15 years prior being in some horror movies, but then obviously he's, on, he's hit some hard times and all he can do is host a show where he's reliving like the same character over and over again. So he's kind of like at the end of his rope too. Like he doesn't have anyone that believes in him 
Yeah. And so for these like kids to come in and, and give him again, like the spark to bolster his own belief in himself yeah. kind of thing. Um, I thought that that was like, you know, it's pretty, like it goes to the heart. It's very powerful stuff. Like you're saying the heart of the matter. Yeah. And a little piece so. of trivia there. One of the, um, the memorabilia that he has in his apartment is a bust to create the, the ape faces from Planet of the Apes. And of course, Roddy McDowell played Cornelius in the original Planet of the Apes oh, series. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's, yeah. that's a nice little, that's a nice little piece of, uh, that's a nice little piece. I mean, Roddy McDowell is a, is a legend. Yeah, I love him. He's, I, he's, and I don't think he's, I've ever seen him in a movie that I've, that I've hated, or at least not his performance in a movie. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of our discussion. Yeah. That was Fright Night. Final thoughts, Ned. Uh, do you think that this was a bad movie, a so-so movie, a good movie, a great movie? What do you think? Um, I would say I would say this movie was really good. I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Um, I I am much more curious to see Child's Play now. I guess I would say Child's Play is pretty good. Like, um, yeah, I had no interest in anything to do with the Chucky verse originally because honestly like the first time I saw like you know pictures from the Chucky films I was like a very young kid and I was like yeah. that is the most fucking <laughs> terrifying idea I've ever heard of in my life right. um, but uh, now that I've seen this movie um, yeah I, I it's a movie that I, I would definitely be curious about we may have to watch again. Child's Play but I will say this if we watch Child's Play we have to watch Child's Play 2 because Child's Play 2 is the better movie. It is? Okay. so and It's so not directed gotta... by Tom Holland, but Child's Play 2 is, in my opinion, the best movie of the Child's Play franchise. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll get around to it because, like I said, it's it's still a little horrifying to me. Um, but my point being um, just, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this quite a lot. It was it was, it was very fun. Um, good, good, clean fun. Um, always, can always use more Chris Sarandon. Oh. Um, that, yeah, it makes me want to watch Princess Bride yeah, now. Definitely, definitely makes me want to see Princess Bride again. Um, talk to me about this movie. How, how are you feeling about it? I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would say it's a great movie because objectively, like it does have some issues, but I love the shit out of this movie. It is yeah. a very good movie. Um, I, it's, it's like you said, it's a lot of fun. I love the touches, all the little details in it. I feel like it's, it's really rewatchable too because I feel like every time I see it, I pick up on something new in the movie and in the performances. Um, I I do not think that, that Ed is grating. I, I actually <laughs> dig the performance. I think it's a great sidekick and a good comic relief. But, you know, to each his own, I understand your points about it. No, absolutely. I get... Why? Why one would find him endearing? Um, I think he's like really quotable, and I like his. Yeah, I like his weird voice. I like it. I like everything he has, about yeah, it. Yeah, no, he definitely has. He definitely has great lines, um, and he he certainly has conviction. And Lord knows, he, Lord knows, as as you've delivered via trivia fact, he's been through the ringer. He's as been through the ringer this for this film. movie. So I I give him I give him mad props for that mm-hmm. to be sure. Absolutely. Uh, this movie is, I think, like a. I mean, it, it was popular when it came out, but I feel like nowadays not a lot of people really know about it. And I feel like it's one of those gem of a movies that whenever you come across it and watch it, 
you're just you just fall in love with it. There's like it's a very lovable horror movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I I, yeah. I enjoyed quite a bit. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of GSV. We thank you guys for listening. We hope you join us next time where we're going to talk about another movie and another edition of Gratuitous Sex and Violence. Now, go forth and seduce other people by watching some movies. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Just sex. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring the very best violence. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Yes. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion.